Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello, everyone. It is July 7th, 2016, and you are listening to Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rosmerich. I am the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and we are finally here. No more talk of reported tr- reported signings. No more, you know, everyone keeping mum on the Magic side. The day to sign contracts is finally here. I'm sure everyone saw the photo of Harrison Barnes handcuffed to a chair as he as he signed his contract with the Dallas Mavericks. The Magic can now do the same to their four to their three or four players, three newcomers, one one returning player uh, today. Uh, so you know, expect maybe hearing something from the Magic a little bit later today. I want to make sure I snuck this in before that, and so I'll talk about the official signings to, uh, to, on tomorrow's episode. Uh, and uh, have some sound for you if the uh, if the Magic do indeed introduce their players uh, today while they're at Summer League. Uh, obviously, the Magic did a lot of work bringing in Bismack Biombo, DJ Augustin, Jeff Green, and re-signing Evan Fournier, and so there will be plenty to talk about on that front. Uh, but we're going to spin it a different way, of course, today. I've been asking kind of a, a big question each day this week, this short week because of the holiday. Uh, I talked about what this team's identity is on Tuesday. I talked yesterday about the direction of the team, and today I'm going to talk about opportunity. Who has the most to gain from the changes that the team made? And then I'll, I'll focus specifically on some of the younger guys that the Magic want to build as their core. Another big issue uh, that I will talk about on, on next week's podcast, but I do have a post coming out, a column coming out about it um, later on today before before about noon, I believe it'll be it'll be out. So I want to talk a little bit about the opportunity. Uh, I did. At, I'm doing my weekly mini mailbag today. I did ask for questions on yesterday's show and and got a few. And so I'll answer answer those. And uh, that'll be that'll be our show today. But first, I want to bring things back a little bit. And I know this is a, a magic podcast, but I do want to note the big sports story in Orlando, and that is Orlando City Soccer firing Adrian Heath as their head coach, the only coach Orlando City has ever known. And, you know, I, I, I've been, I, I have my sister's site, Orlando Sports Daily, and you can check out some, some coverage of the, of the firing there. I'll have a few more posts about it uh, in the coming days leading into tomorrow's game uh, for, for Orlando City as, as the new coach takes over. But there's been kind of a growing unease and frustration among Orlando City fans when it comes to, to Adrian Heath and the direction of, of, the, of the team, of the franchise. And it's very, it, it's, been, it's been funny watching it because at this point, the Magic in their 20, entering their, their 28th season of play are a pretty mature team. Like, they know who they are. They know what they're doing. Their fans are relatively well-established. Um, you know, they know what their formula for success is. I think... When it comes to this magic rebuild, too, Orlando City's runaway success in the city uh, has put some pressure on the magic to speed things up a little bit. 
Uh, if you don't live in Orlando, if you're unfamiliar with what's been going on, Orlando City Soccer came in in 2010. Uh, Adrian Heath was their head coach. They were a minor league USL Pro team and just took the city by storm. Uh, they won games, which helps. They won games immediately. They won two championships in four years, two regular season titles in four years, really dominated the USL Pro, uh, and quickly gained a lot of momentum to join MLS. And when they joined MLS, they filled the stadium with 60,000 fans. They, they're either first or second in attendance in the league. They still regularly get 30,000 fans in the Camping World Stadium for games. But... It feels, to some extent, like the honeymoon period is ending for Orlando City. And we saw this happen with the Magic, too. I I think what's going on with Orlando City and the questions that that they're facing are natural growth steps of a franchise. When the Magic were growing up, everyone came to see the games that first year. They sold out the Orlando Arena every game that first year, despite winning 18 games. Um, That, you know, by my metrics... That expansion team was the second worst team in team history. Or see, the second or third worst team. I haven't updated that in a while. But, But by about year three, year two or three, it started to glaze over. People wanted more than the expansion franchise. They wanted more than, you know, saying, okay, you're here now. Do something. Show us, show us something with, with our dollar. Orlando City's kind of beginning to hit that stage. I think the honeymoon period ends after their first year with, with the stadium, with the new stadium. Like There's still a newness factor to Orlando City. And it helps that it's a once-a-week thing. It's pretty regularly on the weekends. Those That, that helps with attendance. This is college football town. Everyone likes having things scheduled. And when you spread out games over a, you know, an 82-game season like the Magic do, you're not expecting the same attendance numbers, obviously. But... Um, what I've been noticing with Orlando City is there's an expectation now to make the playoffs. And the Magic are facing this too. But Orlando City is a little bit different because they've experienced nothing but success. And now they're struggling a little bit. They're undefeated at home, but they only have three home win- they only have three wins and nine home games. They've given up a lot of late goals. They've had to make crazy comebacks to get those draws. They've had high-priced players who haven't performed up to, up to snuff. And Heath became the fall guy. Um, he, he had some ta- – I mean, I'm not a big soccer guy, and I don't want to get too deep into the soccer. But tactically, yeah, Heath made some mistakes. But judging – I mean, the support from the fans have been in, in Heath's corner, and there's been a lot of frustration with some of the financial decisions that Orlando City's made and a lot of the uh, – and a lot of the kind of fan relations decisions. And this is, a, this is a franchise that has done everything right to kind of light a fire underneath fans in Orlando. Uh, so, you know, it's the big story in Orlando today. I did want to address it in, in some form, uh, you know, just, just because there, there are some interesting parallels to the Magic. Both, both Orlando City and the Orlando Magic are going to be looking to make the playoffs uh, this season. Orlando City's playoff run will come in October the Magic in April, uh, and then if Orlando City doesn't make it, uh, you know, twenty, the twenty seventeen season is going to be going to be a big one in the new stadium uh, to cement some of those casual fans to, to get the supporters really rallying behind them again, and uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see um, how these two teams continue to grow together uh, because you know whether it's true or not, 
I think the Orlando fan is expecting something different from the Magic now uh, than they were before because of the success of Orlando City. Uh, but that'll be, you know, that might be a, a conversation to have a little bit later. Um, I did want to mention one other NBA item before I, I jump into our featured segment today. Uh, Dwayne Wade signing with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I am as shocked as anybody. Uh, I really thought Wade was using the Bulls, the Nuggets, the Bucks as leverage to get more money out of the Heat. I never thought he was going to leave Miami. I thought he was going to be a lifer. But clearly, it, it clearly Wade felt undervalued. He wanted he wanted he wanted his money. He'd taken a pay, he'd taken a pay cut for several years now to accommodate a championship team, and with the Heat not quite looking like a championship team right now, uh, with Chris Bosh's future in doubt, committing a lot of money to Hassan Whiteside, um, Wade clearly decided to return home. He's from Chicago, and take this opportunity to to change his career a little bit. And 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 yeah, he's chasing money. Uh, but it's still a shock to see, um, and, I'll, and I'm curious to see what that Chicago team does, and, and we'll address that uh, a little bit later on in the show during the mini-mailback. But right now I want to turn to our big question of the day, and that is about opportunity. Who has the most to gain from the changes on the Orlando Magic this year? Obviously, a lot's been done. Victor Oladipo is out. Serge Ibaka's in. Bismack Biombo's in. Uh, DJ Augustin's in. Jeff Green's in. Evan Fournier returns. This is a team that is not completely different. Um, I'll have a post tomorrow by one of our writers uh, about the Magic's depth chart and, and what that looks like, so, so definitely stay tuned for that um, tomorrow. But This is a deeper team, but it, I mean half the roster has been turned over now. And this is a this is a deeper team in some ways if, if everyone hits their potential, but it's also a um, a team with a lot of question marks and a lot of people who are going to have to fit into roles so everyone can fit together. But um, a lot of people who are going to have an opportunity in front of them to really shine on, on a bigger stage. And so, to me, I was excited when the Magic traded for Serge Ibaka because, like we've like I've said before, Serge Ibaka is kind of a basketball unicorn. He's a guy who can play the four and stretch the floor as a shooter, but also get into the paint, defend, defend every position, block shots, rim protect. He is a really, really valuable player. But the reports coming out of Oklahoma City at the end of the season was that he was really unhappy with his role. He felt like he wasn't getting the ball enough. And the, and the truth of the matter is, we really don't know what... Serge Ibaka is offensively at all. He's always had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook uh, with him. He's always had he's always had you know he's always been the third fiddle, so to speak. So we don't really know what he's capable of, and I think what we're going to see this season is potentially what Serge Ibaka can be. Uh, I pulled up his NBA Wowie stats with, Ke- with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook off the floor here. Um, you know, he shot 47.9% from the floor 
uh, 49.5% true, true shooting percentage. Team was 1.01 points per possession. But he still only had an 18.6% usage rate. That's just slightly more than DJ Augustin in seven, 72 minutes with the Thunder this year. So Ibaka's never been the focal point of an offense. And when you look at how the Magic are constructed, like, let, I mean, let's roll the starting lineup out here. Alfred Payton, not a scorer. He's going to use possessions because he's a point guard, but he's not a scorer. Evan Fournier, a guy who I think also has a big opportunity, and I'll address him quickly in, in a moment. Aaron Gordon, probably playing out of position, not really a scorer yet. Serge Ibaka at the four. Nikola Vucevic at the five. Nick, Nick's going to use possessions. He's going he's gonna to get his shots. But really now, Serge Ibaka is going to be a guy the team's going to feature in the offense. They want to use his pick-and-pop ability just like Vucevic. They're going to want to see him maybe become a little bit of him and Vucevic become a better passer so they can run a high-low sets with Vucevic and Ibaka on the post and in the elbow because they're both such a threat for, threat from mid-range too that you're going to stretch defenses a little bit if you can get either one to, to pass it at a decent level. And so the big opportunity in this Magic lineup belongs to Ibaka. This is his contract year. This is his chance to prove to the NBA that he is a max player. Not only is he a defensive unicorn, but he's an off he's he's a capable offensive player. Maybe not your first option if you're trying to win a championship. Probably not your first option. But certainly a guy that you can rely on to score, you can give the you can dump the ball into and get points. This is a humongous year for Serge Ibaka. The Magic are giving him an opportunity to prove something. And they're banking not only that he can but that he will and get them to the playoffs in the process in a contract year. The other guy, like I said, who I think has a big opportunity is Evan Fournier. You know, Evan had a big year last year, really stepped up his scoring, and there's an opportunity for him to step it up again. Looking at who the Magic have on the perimeter, he is their go-to guy. You know, most, most people think of the go-to guy as a perimeter player, not a post player for, you know, whatever reason. Evan Fournier is now the Magic's go-to guy. He's the one the team is going to turn to to, to to get that last shot, create his own shot, create a little bit for others. And like I've been saying, the, the big question I have about this, this upcoming season and about this roster is there are so many players who have to take this kind of a step up that they have to that we're, that we're expecting them to take advantage of an incredible opportunity that we just don't know if they can do. And so that's, that's why I still have a little bit of doubts about this roster. They certainly can, and the opportunity is there for a player like Serge Ibaka and Evan Fournier to, to, to make that step up. But I think those two players are the players that have gained the most out of the tray, out of the moves. I also think Mario Azonia has gained a lot. Um, I think there's a, there is certainly a possibility he could start at the three if he's, if he's improved a lot. He, you know, don't read too much into his stats with Croatia. Um, he had three points on one of, th- one of six shooting, I believe. In yesterday's game against Tunisia, um, had a better game against uh, against Italy on when on Tuesday. So you know, still a little bit of a mixed bag. It's it's going to take some time for Mario a little bit, but I think I think that we'll see um, we'll see him improve dramatically too, uh, as far as as a player um, and and into a sophomore year now. And so I think those those three players are really the players that have the most to gain from the changes the Magic have made. Um, tomorrow I'll talk a little bit about 
the, the players who seem to be the odd men out. Um, tomorrow's episode, I'll either record late tonight or post um, late on Friday. Uh, games start at 8 um, at the NY Center for, for the final day of Summer League, so I'll be, I'll be down there. Hopefully the Magic will not be playing at 8. Um, moving on now, though, to our mini mailbag. I, I asked for your questions uh, on yesterday's show and got a few, few questions in return. Uh, Javier Gandia, that's at, I'm not, I'm, it's at L-I-C, Javier, G-N-D-I-A, asks, how does, how does the Magic compare with the rest of the East? Can they make the playoffs with this roster as it is? And, you know, I was actually, in the wake of the Wade signing, I was ask, actually asking this question to, to, to our friend Zach Oliver of Orlando Pinstripe Post, trying to figure out, where the Magic fit in in the East. And I think we're all pretty certain that there are a lot of questions about teams 6 through 13 in the East. Like normal, the Eastern Conference is really jumbled up and really, really, really competitive with a lot of teams that we have a lot of questions about. So, I mean, let's, let's quickly go through who that competition is. I think the Cavs the Raptors and the Celtics are all automatically in the playoffs. I, I feel very comfortable saying those three teams are going to make it. The Pistons and the Hornets, I think, I feel pretty certain they'll take, they'll take a step up as well um, and make the playoffs once again. I think, so that's five teams now, so we got three spots left. I think in that next tier of teams, that should make the playoffs, but may not. You have the Hawks and the Pacers. So this is like tier three. Like my comfort level is decreasing dramatically. So the, the Hawks and the Pacers, I think, make up that tier for six and seven. So that leaves us with, so, that, so that's Cavs, Raptors, Celtics, Pistons, Hornets, Hawks, Pacers. That's seven teams. That leaves us with one spot for one of the following. The Heat, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Bucks, and the Magic. And that's a no word. And the Bulls. So that's six teams. So Bulls, Knicks, Heat, Magic, Bucks, Knicks. Just think about that. I mean, we're... we're Yes, the Hawks or the Pacers could fall out. Someone's going to fall out. The Hornets could fall out, possibly. They, they, they've been inconsistent before, although I like the moves that they made. You're going to have, really, six teams battling for that final playoff spot. And each team has a major question. The Knicks have experience. They have a star, Carmelo Anthony. But are their key pieces going to be able to stay healthy? What's Kristaps Porzingis' sophomore year going to look like? If Derrick Rose and Joachim Noah can stay healthy and Carmelo Anthony can stay healthy, the Knicks are a really dangerous team. What about the Bulls? The Bulls just got Dwayne Wade. They have Jimmy Butler, an all-star. They just added Rajon Rondo. Is that enough to get them into the playoffs? Can they restore their defense? Can they get enough shooting to make the playoffs? The Wizards. Eastern Conference Finals you know, favorite last year. Can they return to the playoffs with a healthy Bradley Beal? Um, 
the Bucks, are they ready to put things together? They haven't found a taker for Greg Monroe yet. Can they defend at the level they defended two years ago when they made the playoffs? Can Giannis Antetokounmpo take another step forward? Do they have the depth and the magic? Do they have enough scoring? Can they be a top 10 defense? And is that enough to win enough games in Eastern Conference to make the playoffs? These are all very, very big questions. When I look at it, and I think I've said this on the show before, I think this Magic team can win 45 games and make the playoffs. I think, I, I think they can play defense at a high enough level and score enough to make a postseason push. But I also could see them winning 35 games and, and kind of being stagnant and not really improving. That a, a defense is not enough if the offense is bad enough. That the pieces still do not quite fit and that some of the young players the Magic need to step up aren't going to be able to, or aren't going to be able to enough to, to reach the level of magic need. And so, I think the magic are firmly in the mix to make the playoffs. But I don't think they've climbed up enough to say for certain that they'll be in there. And I don't think they've climbed enough for us to say, you know, they're at the head of that bunch that I talked about. They certainly could surprise. There's always a surprise team. And, and the Magic might be that darling. But um, I, I'm still a little bit skeptical. And I want to see how they play and, and, and what they do. I mean, obviously, Frank Vogel's an incredible coach. Uh, and they're in that mix. But they've got to prove it. They're, they're as unproven as any team in that list. And, you know, typically when you make predictions, you want to minimize, minimize some... Uh, some exaggeration so you don't get embarrassed and, uh, and try and pick you know, a team that, that, that you can be a little bit sure about. But the good news is the Eastern Conference is a lot, that, a lot to be unsure about and a lot of, a lot of intrigue, and it's going to be settled on the court in October, October through April. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, so thank you for the question, Javier. I, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll do another uh, mini mailbag next week. I'll also have a full mailbag. Uh, hopefully coming out this weekend. If the questions haven't gone too stale, I apologize for not getting that out. Um, I'm sure I can maneuver some of them so I can answer answer you know what you're really trying to say through kind of a specific question about a player. But um, we will we will take care of that um, as well. So that'll do it for today's episode of Locked On Magic. I want to thank everyone for listening once again. You can find us on iTunes. Search Locked On Magic. You can download us straight to your listening device. Um, if you want, please leave us a review. Uh, five stars is nice. Four stars is okay. Three stars, uh, I'll, I'll bring you into the principal's office and, and talk to you a little bit about, uh, about your performance as well. Um, that was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. I'll be at the Amway Center all day today for Summer League. Uh, we'll be what, There's two games going on for the Magic. Um, I'll have a complete Summer League recap probably, probably Monday. Um, I, I can't imagine. There's too much to talk about. I've, uh, I have a few notes I want to want to pass along uh, from Summer League as well and just, just some closing thoughts on some of the young guys that the Magic brought in. Uh, certainly some interesting talent. I'm sure we'll see a few of them in training camp and, and possibly uh, possibly on the roster at some point this season. Uh, tomorrow is also Championship Day, and if any of the signings become official today, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Follow me on Twitter all day at OmagicDaily. Um, you know, like I said, I'm at the Amway Center all day. I'll be watching both games, and, and if anything happens, I will be the first. I'll be one of the first people to know. So, 
uh, keep it tuned with me. That's at omagicdaily on Twitter. Um, I'll be back again tomorrow. Like I said, the episode may either come late Thursday evening, uh, early Friday morning, or may come uh, late Friday night uh, because of Championship Day at Orlando Summer League. They have an 8 a.m. start, so I will be going pretty going pretty hard all day tomorrow, hopefully not watching that 8 a.m. game because uh, that would be terrible. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening once again to, the Orlando, to Locked on Magic, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I will check you guys out tomorrow. Uh, for another episode of Locked On Magic. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.